Well, we're closing out this series on the songs of faith, and that doesn't mean that we have exhausted the songs that are important or valuable to you and to our church, um, but there are so many more stories to be told. But we close this out for a time um, as we think about the ways that some of these songs have meant to us. We've talked about, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, how great thou art in the garden, it is well with my soul. And this morning we close with amazing grace. So would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, you know, if there is one thing that we cannot talk about enough of, especially in the United Methodist Church, it is grace. Now, it doesn't mean that we as the United Methodist Church have cornered the market on grace because, of course, God's grace is available to all people. Uh, but it's, a, it's one of the <clears throat> foundational pieces of our theology as Wesleyans, as United Methodists. Um, grace is something that's important to us. John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist Church, talked about grace in three ways, prevenient, justifying, and sanctifying. Sometimes sanctifying is called perfecting grace. Um, now, whatever you call it, grace is amazing, you know, like the song says. <clears throat> and this song, this hymn, um, is a popular Christian hymn that was written in 1772, but first published in 1779. Um, it actually, when it, was, when it was written, it wasn't written with music, but it was chanted during, um, during worship services. Um, it wasn't um, until uh, much later that it became popular. It was first published in uh, Methodist hymnals in 1830, um, and it became popular with shape note singing. Now, this is also a song that um, perhaps if someone doesn't have any faith tradition or hasn't heard many hymns throughout their life, this is a song that they're familiar with. Um, many um, many non-Christian or um, top 40 artists have covered the song uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, Mahalia Jackson used the song um, during the civil rights marches and it was a call um, to justice. Uh, Johnny Cash sang this song uh, when he was touring prisons because he said for those three minutes that that song was there, everyone could feel freedom. And so Amazing Grace is a song that while important to our faith has really been important to our society, uh, to culture. <clears throat> and the truth is that's grace too, isn't it? I mean, grace is important to us as a church, but grace is freely given to all of God's God's people, all of God's children. So um, this song was written by John Newton. Now John Newton has a really, um, a really interesting story. Um, he was born in 1725 to a merchant Catholic father. Um, his father actually was a slave trader, um, among other, uh, other things that he sold, um, he sold people. Um, and so he was a slave trader, a Catholic father, and um, John Newton's mother was an Anglican, and she was very proudly and fiercely Anglican. Um, she intended for her son, John, to become an Anglican priest. Unfortunately, she died when John was six, and she died of tuberculosis. So John was sent off to boarding school where he, um, where he was abused, and um, as a result of that trauma, behaved as someone who had been hurt had. 
and when he was 11, um, he was uh, he joined his father as an apprentice, as a sailing apprentice when he was 11. And in his teen years, he was quite rebellious and, um, and even denounced his faith. Um, in later writings, he said, like an unwary sailor who quits his port just before a rising storm, I renounced the hopes and comforts of the gospel at the very time when every other comfort was about to fail me. After lots of rebellion, um, he was forced into the Royal Navy, but he deserted um, in part to marry his wife, Polly. After leaving the Navy, or kind of abandoning the Navy, um, he began to work himself in slave trading like his father. Now, Amazing Grace wasn't the first song that he wrote. Um, he actually began by writing obscene and offensive songs about his captain on those ships, um, to which the crew began to join in, much to the embarrassment, shame, and anger of the captain of the ship. And so for his punishment, um, he was starved almost to death and chained alongside the slaves on the, ch on the ship. Now, he sort of escaped, and on his next ship, um, he was known for using some of the most obscene words. Uh, I saw a few ways that he was described as kind of like uh, obscene words or um, uh, things like that, and then um, other places were like, these were bad. Um, uh, his captain said that he had never heard such terrible language, including some new words that it seemed like Newton either created or made up. Um, it seems like that phrase, swearing like a sailor, was made just for him. Um, and so uh, this is who he was. Um, again, some places said, you know, he was rough, rough around the edges. And other places said he was a tyrant. He was uh, awful. He was... He was John Newton. Now, on one of the ships that he was on, there was a violent storm and a shipwreck. And as part of um, his trying to save himself and others, he tied himself to the ship. And there, he made a promise with God that if he got out alive, he would devote himself to God. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Now, his conversion wasn't an immediate conversion. He thought he wasn't worthy to be saved um, or having, worthy of having been saved physically after having been so hostile to God and to others. So even as he was working on his faith journey and his spiritual life and, and his discipleship, he continued to work into the slave trade until he was 30 years old. Now in, 19, or in 1764, uh, he was ordained a priest and served faithfully in the Anglican church, uh, making friends with many people, including John and Charles Wesley, who were both Anglicans as well, um, uh, some uh, John uh, Newton said that John Wesley also encouraged him into the priesthood, while Charles Wesley encouraged him in writing hymns and songs. In 1788, um, he wrote a pamphlet, John Newton wrote a pamphlet about the evils of slavery called Thoughts Upon the Slave Trade, 
where he described the horrific experience on the ships and advocating for the end of slavery um, and became an abolitionist. He saw the passage of the Slave Trade Act and said of his faith, I was greatly deficient in many respects. I consider myself to have been a believer in the full sense of the word. I cannot consider myself to have been a believer in the full sense of the word until a considerable time afterwards. He believed that his, um, his work did not, it meant that he did not fully embrace his Christian faith, that because he did not see his neighbors as humans, but as something else, that that meant that he didn't fully follow Jesus. I cannot consider myself to have been a believer in the full sense of the word until a considerable time afterwards. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You know, it's an incredible story of John Newton. And we all have stories of how we have experienced God's grace. Grace makes us feel humbled. Grace is God's unmerited love. There is nothing that we can do to earn it. God gives it so freely. Now, the three kinds of grace are, are the ways that God, that, that we as United Methodists talk about grace is prevenient grace, which is like that grace that is always there, just whispering, I'm right here whenever you're ready. I'll always be right here whenever you're ready. And that whispers from the beginning through infinity. And then there's justifying grace, um, which is that grace that we recognize that Jesus did something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And we, we join in this walk of discipleship with Jesus. And so this walk with Jesus is the sanctifying grace, where we walk the journey with God, perfecting us in love, sustaining us. And there are times when we are going really great on that. And then there are times where we might not be. The beauty of grace is that it is there with us always, picking us up, pulling us on, sometimes pushing us on. And so we have all of these means of grace or ways that we connect with God and God connects with us. Things like baptism or communion, prayer, singing, worship, being in community together, ways that we experience and we connect with God and God connects with us. Grace is amazing. And I think there's a lot of times when we think that maybe we just don't deserve God's grace. We don't believe that it's true for us or maybe it's not true for someone else. That maybe we can receive grace, but but someone else has done something so much to hurt you or to hurt others that, that they don't deserve it. Or maybe perhaps you think I have done something so terrible and awful, or, I, or you feel guilty or ashamed. How could possibly God love me or them or us or whoever in the middle of all of that? Well, God's love is something that at times 
we don't deserve based on how we've acted. And yet, God's love is something that is given to us because of who God is. And we are created in the image of God. Now that love and that grace can be offensive at times because sometimes we, we just can't understand unconditional love because as humans, our love is conditional. To understand infinite and unconditional love is virtually impossible for us. And yet, God still continues to offer it to us over and over and over again. I'm right here whenever you're ready. I'll always be right here whenever you're ready. Now, within this gift of grace is also an invitation to join in the dance that has been going on, to dance with the divine. And we can reject that, that invitation and say, no, thank you. And that has no bearing on God's love. God continues to offer that love to us. And yet joining that dance will help us understand God and God's grace more and more. Nadia Boltzweber, who is a Lutheran pastor and an author, she says this about grace. God's grace is not defined as God being forgiving to us even though we sin. Grace is when God is a source of wholeness, which makes up for my failings. My failings hurt me and others and even the planet. And God's grace to me is that my brokenness is not the final word. It's that God makes beautiful things even out of my own stuff. Grace isn't about God creating humans and flawed beings and then acting all hurt when we inevitably fail and then stepping in like the hero to grant us grace, like saying, oh, it's okay, I'll be the good guy and forgive you. It's actually God saying, I love the world too much to let your sin define you and be the final word. I am a God who makes all things new. Grace. There is nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to get more of it or less of it. Grace is free. God's love freely given. And so if someone tells you you need to do something to earn God's grace or to receive God's grace, that means it's not free. If someone tells you that you have to keep doing or not doing something to keep grace, that means it's not free. Reliant K, who is a Christian uh, music, music uh, band, um, Christian band, um, sings in one of their songs, the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. Grace to us is given so freely. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. So how do we receive this gift of grace? With skepticism? With trepidation? Will we still try to pay it off with open hearts, with gratitude? How we receive this gift says more about us than it does about God, because God has already given it. When we've been there 10,000 years, 
bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. Grace matters because you matter. Because you matter to God, because you matter to this world, and you are worthy of being loved by God. And that love that God loves us, that amazing grace that we have received, moves us to love the world. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Thanks be to God. Amen.